right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Gang Grow Retain, uh, the podcast where I have a very special guest on today. This is Jay, by the way, not Jeff. Sometimes people get us confused. Um, but I've got my CMO, Erica Brooks from Higher Logic. So what's Thank up, Erica? You. Thanks for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. I can tell the difference between you and Jeff. Oh, yeah. It's because you have to listen to us all day long. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jeff always makes everybody do these icebreaker questions. So I'm going to do a quick icebreaker okay. question with you. And I didn't right. prepare you for this, correct? You did not. I can't right. wait. Bring it. Bring it on. Yeah. Marketers do not like to be unprepared, by the way. So no, I'm sure Erica is, she's hating me right now. Um, all right. If you were on Jeopardy, what would be the best category for you on Jeopardy of all time? Uh, college football. College football? Yes. I thought for sure you were going to say something about running. Well, college football. I know okay. so much about college football. I could crush that category. All right. Like historic college football or I'm current? Going back to the 80s. Okay. Wow. Is, so that, is a... that considered historic? <laughs> that'll make me feel mm, old. It's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting there. That's awesome. So what is the, what's the most interesting fact in your head right now about college football? You're a Georgia fan, right? You're a Georgia a Ge- through and through, I'm a, right? So. I'm a Georgia fan. What the most interesting thing that's going on in my mind right now is they came out with the preseason poll in Georgia as the national champions is listed as third. So that's what's the most interesting. Oh fact. boy. That yes. is an insult if I've ever heard one. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so but I like I remember college football players from other teams when they go to pro. So I will be watching an NFL game and I'll say, didn't he play at Clemson? Didn't he play at Alabama? And I mean, I remember players, I remember wow. coaches, I remember. So it's weird. It's a weird thing. I just, I, lo- I happen to love college football and we watch a lot of it. Yes, I am a Georgia fan, but we watch a lot of it. So I guess I, I could crush and I happen to love Jeopardy. So I would love that category. On <laughs> All right. All right. There you go. Well, that's awesome. And I guess, you know, growing up, you, you grew up in Atlanta as well, right? I went to high school in Atlanta. So I'm a transplant from the Northeast to the Southeast. And so, in fact, I got here right as Georgia was having its big, you know, run in um, college football. And so that's part of why it was sort of an adaptation to my environment type of situation. Yeah. So all yeah. the way going back to high school. Well, it sounded like it, it got ingrained pretty well. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Awesome. Well, so the reason that we wanted to do this is is because, like we talked about, um, I like to bring folks from outside the customer success world onto the GGR podcast because I think, you know, one thing I talk about a lot is customer success is really delivered by a company. It's not delivered by a single team. And so the more we can understand the roles that other uh, other professionals and, and uh, departments play, in the customer journey, in the health of the business, I think the better off customer success leaders will be. So you are our CMO. You've you've been with us. How long have you oh, been with us now? 11 months. Oh, I was exactly. going to say 11 years, but but no, just 11 months. <laughs> that's, huh? that's just what it feels like to work with me. But no, it's only been 11 months. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> so, wow, it's already been 11 months. So, and, and you've, you've made a lot of changes here, which we can, we can talk about some of that, but um just for for folks who may not be as exposed to what marketing leaders do, what is a CMO? That's a great question. So uh, a chief marketing officer is at at its most has to be the business a business leader. Hmm. So the, um, a chief marketing officer has to be a business leader that says, "How do I 
bring not just the function of marketing, but bring the connection between the product and sales and the customer experience, which we're going to spend a lot of time talking about through in all of the activities that we are going to do externally to drive awareness and drive revenue. So, you know, I think a lot of people think a CMO is just a VP that's old. <laughs> and it's not that, <laughs> that's not true. It's not just an old VP of marketing or an old SVP of marketing. So it's really somebody who can connect the dots, not just conceptually, but tactically for the organization on, you know, if we're trying to drive this revenue and this strategy, this is how we're going to execute it. Um, and so I think that's the difference between a CMO is it's a, it's a business partner to the organization in the marketing function. Yeah, uh, that's it's awesome. I think a lot of people look at titles and they say, oh, chief marketing officer or chief product officer, or chief customer officer. They must spend all their time developing quote unquote strategy. Right. right? right. You just said tactical execution. So say a little bit more about that. Like how, how do you think about connecting? Like, what does that tactical execution look like for a marketing team? You know, it's so interesting to me because, you know, like you said, that thing about strategy, is it about creative? And, you know, what happens most of the time is a chief marketing officer, particularly in the SaaS business, is going to inherit a whole series of things. You know, probably a website, unless you're starting Series A or, you know, what have you. Yeah. You're going to inherit a website. You're going to inherit a set of customers that have a set of perceptions about your business. You're going to inherit employees that have a perception about your business. You're going to inherit a lot of different things. And what a CMO needs to do is say, here's the point in the future where we want to get to. And here is where we are and map out the series of steps that takes you there. Because foundationally, it can be one thing to say, hey, we want to be, for instance, at HireLogic, we are the community people. We want to be seen as a community people, but we have work to do to reach that destination. So I think ultimately what a CMO does is it marshals all these wonderful resources they have in their purview and outside their purview to sort of say, these are the these are the steps that we have to take. It's phase one, it's phase two, it's phase three, it's phase four, on our way to this ultimate destination. And that's why I feel really strongly that a CMO that has, has to connect the dots between business strategy and brand strategy. Business strategy and brand strategy, in my mind, are the same thing. Mm. Business value and brand value are the same thing. Yeah. So that alignment and then breaking down the steps is what a CMO does day to day. How did you become a CMO? What was your path? So I, I ended up in technology completely by accident and it was such a wonderful accident. So I got out of college during a really terrible recession and I thought I was going to go into sales, which I had done some telemarketing sales, the summer jobs. Um, actually when I was in college, I was the, um, I, w- I used to dial for dollars, raising money for my school. And then eventually I became the telemarketing supervisor in college. I remember and, uh, those people. Uh-huh. They were good. Yeah, in yeah. my school, they were really good. So you must have been so, good. So I and I love it was really fun. I mean, you, and you were leveraging a passion point to convince people yep. to give you money. So like, really, how is that different? And so I thought I was going to go into a sales role, but I was I was really looking at large enterprise businesses, and the economy was terrible. And I was one of those people who was like had to work. And so I ended up doing a couple of temp jobs. And one of the temp jobs I had was with a technology company and they had a piece of PR that was written about them in Newsweek or some such thing and their phone was ringing off the hook and so they ended up hiring me as a sales and marketing assistant that's how I got my first job out of school I think I was I think I was living below what would be considered (laughs) minimum (laughs) my comp was below like minimum wage but um so 
it is why I'm passionate about PR. It did get me my first job, to be clear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A little earned media got me my first job. That's awesome. what I figured out was I loved technology. I was there for a long time, three, four years. It was a Georgia Tech founded technology startup. And we had no real good market strategy, to be perfectly honest. And we had um, a number of what I would call headwinds, but I learned a lot in the process and spent three or four years there doing every different kind of job possible, which was great. And the thing that was cool is technology suited my like, uh, I need brain food. Like, what's a new problem to solve? What's a new problem to solve? You know, what are the what are the shifting plates that are happening in the marketplace? What what can we do differently? So I love technology, and that's how I really got into it. I passed from being you know entry level to doing what I would call product marketing, which is really thinking about how you take a particular feature or product um, launch and position it to the marketplace. And I really loved it. It's that concept of sort of taking something from the outside in and think about how you turn it inside out. And so Mm -hmm. I really, I really passed into being a CMO through really product marketing and then a series of product marketing jobs down the road. I I think the role of product marketing is such, such a cool role. And I think it's actually a little under misunderstood as well at the same time, um, especially in smaller orgs, but that, that's a, that to me is, is, one of the most crucial touch points between customer success and the product is product marketing. So can you talk a little bit more about product marketing? So the the thing I agree with you about it being misunderstood and and some people are like, Oh, are you product management or your product marketing? And they are different functions. Right. And what I always enjoyed about product marketing, and maybe this is part of the connect point in my perspective about CMO is that it was so directly connected to, can you sell it? What's the, what is it, what is it going to cost? to deliver it, what are you gonna charge for it and will people buy it? And so mm-hmm. for me as a marketer, it became this really fundamental um, understanding about how to drive um, a PL as a marketer. How, what mm-hmm. is your role? If you're gonna have a seat at the table in the, on the PL, you have to understand the connect point on how is something gonna get packaged and priced? How is it gonna sell? Wow. Why is it gonna sell? Why is it not gonna sell? And so um, that's one of the things that I loved about it and frankly, to your point, it gave me an opportunity to work with every other function in the business. So it was going to talk to somebody on the customer success and the customer support side and say, hey, you guys aren't free, but you're a value proposition to us marketing this. Exactly. Or going to sales and saying, okay, you can tell people we're 24 seven, 365 days a week in terms of service and support, because that mattered in technology in the early days. People didn't know how to use anything. That's right. And so very early on, the connect point to the other parts of the organization and thinking about the customer experience is pretty important in terms of building out my understanding about product marketing and customer experience. But there's one piece of this that like I shouldn't undersell. So I left this great small venture backed, um, you know, Georgia Tech founded startup company. And my next job was working for a consumer ISP. So I was going from B2B to a consumer technology business. I- ISP being internet. Oh yeah. Provider. Internet service provider, exactly. We don't even think about this anymore, but that was <laughs> that that was the TLA of 1996. And so what was cool about that business, and I think is fundamental to how I think about brand today, is the founder and CEO of that business is Charles Brewer. Charles Brewer. The name of the business was Mindspring. And he had read Built to Last, and he'd mm-hmm. also read Good to Great. So those are real fundamental books for me in terms yeah. of thinking through strategy in execution. And one of the things I learned in that was 
it, your people and the happiness of your people and the connection point of your people and your team and your organization drives your customer experience and a happy customer customer drives more customers. And so he talked a lot about that value change. So, you know, it was really early in my career. It was my second job and it was really fundamental connect point to me was people that understand why they're there and why they're, why they're here, what they're here to do translates to helping customers in a not joyful way, but certainly in a like purposeful way. Yep. And then that turns into this value exchange of, Everybody was talking about us. Everybody said, oh, you want to get on the internet? You got to call these people, MindSpring. And that so our, our overall cost of acquisition was very low. Our overall retention was extremely good. Like our net retention was off the charts. And so that to me was very fundamental in my product marketing experience about understanding what customer experience is all about and what it can do to drive business. That's that's awesome. And the, the well, so many things to pick out of what you just went through, but I think the most interesting there thing there for especially for people who listen to this podcast is what you said about support or customer success or your implementation team or any you know, consulting resources that you have access to after you go live with a product yeah. right right those are all value points and it it's how you position them in the market. It's so important. A lot, a lot of times, you know, I'll see teams do customer journey exercises and they're, they're really focused inside out. I've even run them this way before, right? Like how do we do the process internally? Right. But what you just said is let's first think about how it lands on the customer and then work backward from what we want that reality to be and then design our operations to support that. So really, really interesting point right. you just made there. Because it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. And there's yeah. a lot of people who get into the market and say, oh, we're customer focused. And then to your point, they haven't designed the operations to support that. Yeah. I, I, I think the modern departmental structure of our, our companies actually lends itself to eroding the customer experience because the the departments are getting more and more specialized like the the technology right. for each department the the processes the best practices everybody's down in their departmental sort of worldview and but meanwhile the the customer experience is crumbling on the yeah. other side so that's right that's right I, I thought it was really interesting what you said too about product marketing. So when I, I was in product management for a little bit and we went through um, Marty Kagan training, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley sure. product group. And yeah. the, the whole deal was the triad is, you know, you had a product manager figuring out, is it valuable? You had a designer, is it usable? And you had a engineer on that triad figuring out, was it a feasible, was it feasible to build feasible. the thing you want to build? And you just added something really cool to that, which is, can you sell it if you, you build it? it? And that's product marketing. Yep. That's a really powerful concept. So maybe Marty should redo his training and add that in there. Yeah, the I think marketer. I think he missed a pillar. I mean, because you got to be able to sell this stuff, right? <laughs> you got to be able to sell it. You got to <laughs> be able to sell it. That's the reason we're here. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly. What, what's What's the biggest? This is a very generic question, maybe. But what What are some of the bigger changes you've seen over the past decade, just in how you have to do your job? So you know, if I think about, let's say, the planning exercise planning exercise, the channels that we executed on, the cycle of target customer input into what we did 10, 15 years ago, it was dramatically different. And I love those charts that show the adoption curves of technology that we think of, you know, phones and how long that took and TV and how long that took and all these other things. And, you know, really the rise of social and mobile has changed so much of yeah. what we have to be cognizant of as business people, marketers and chief 
customer officers and, yeah. and everybody else. And so I think the rise of mobile and social, you know, in a meaningful way, not just as like, hey, that's what the kids are doing, but like in a meaningful way for businesses is one big thing that's changed for marketers today. The second thing I would say is, you know, just generally thinking that that has forced a certain amount of agility. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. that marketing departments have always been known for their agility. <laughs> and so, you know, it's changed long range planning cycles and picking a particular platform, let's say, and just running that play um, and not adapting it to the here and now. And we've had to become much more agile and much more adaptable, I think, over the last 10 years. I think that's all for good, to be perfectly honest. There's no downside to that. And then I think it truly is more complex. Oh, yeah. Signal to noise ratio for, you know, business people, marketers is much harder today than it used to be. And that goes back to the first point about mobile and social. It's just the complexity of the execution, the complexity of knowing did it work, the complexity, just generally speaking, is much, much more challenging today than it was, I would say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So many different channels. I mean, just the number of channels alone. So many different channels. You have to make really good choices. You don't know, um, you know, you don't know who's saying what about you. You know, you're just, frankly, brands are, are very much disintermediated now in, you know, their target customers, um, evaluation and choice. And as much as we would like to say we're not, they are. I mean, I can text you and say, hey, Jay, how was your experience with X, Y, and Z? And as a friend, you'll tell me the truth. We might get on the phone. You might text me back. You might send me a link to something. We are just not nearly as in control as we used to be. So that's what's different. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm much more likely to trust what I hear from you than I am to trust what a marketing or sales team tells me, that's, right? That's exactly right. You got, you got a lot of headwinds there to overcome. You know, you said one thing there in, in that whole sort of explanation, but you said, did it work? What, what did we do and did it work? And I think that's something, I think customer success leaders struggle with that too. Like, yes. what's the value of customer success? Did it work? And it I think what, what CMOs have learned maybe over time could be really instructive to customer success leaders. So how have you, because you have to justify your spin to our CFO, Trisha, right? Who, yes. who wants to keep things, you know, all the, the ratios intact and uh, everything looking good. So how, how have you thought of it? Because I, I see that as a constant battle for marketing leaders to, to fight, not maybe battles the wrong word, but you always have to be justifying your next yes. dollar spend and the so next how, dollar spent. Exactly. We actually have, have a marketing, marketing leadership offsite. And that is one of the challenges is how do we, how do we communicate about where to spend the next dollar? And um, so I think there's a couple of things that we, I think if you're starting at foundations, you start with KPIs, one to get people into the pattern of reporting on something. But we here actually at Higher Logic, as you know, can consider those like level two metrics. So what are like some mm-hmm. small level two metrics? So, you know, today, for instance, Jeff is working on some of those level two metrics for us, which is, okay, we focused on a particular area or a particular channel with a particular set of messages, are we seeing traction? And what are those, what are those points of traction? Is it views? Is it likes? Is it increase in terms of people following higher logic on LinkedIn or something like that? Right. right. But I think ultimately the same measures matter today that mattered 10 years ago, which is, and this is conceptually not, not um, tactically maybe hard to implement, but conceptually makes sense. How many people are organically talking about your brand? 
how many people are organically talking about your brand? Ultimately, way back in the old days, you know, 10 years ago, we really cared about aided and unaided mentions about the business. Mm, and so you okay. can still you can still do that today. And you can measure those things today. And and there's a lot of different ways to sort of show that organic traction about your business. And we do those at Higher Logic. And as you start to build a little bit of um, pattern recognition, you can start to set goals and you can start to invest against those goals when you have the pattern recognition and then say, okay, do we have more pattern recognition? Is it making it sense to do these things going forward? So I do think performance and performance analytics and setting yourself up, setting yourself up for those type of things is really important and foundational to a marketing department. But ultimately it's, do you, do you resonate with your target audience and are you getting those organic mentions from your target audience? Yeah. And back to your earlier point, those are the ones that mean the most because they weren't facilitated or weren't prompted. I like what you they, said, aided and unaided. Aided and unaided. I learned so much good te terminology from you, by the way. I know you're going to be, it's going to be so dangerous at our next offsite because you're oh, not yeah. going to be, I know. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll be talking in code. Nobody even know what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Um, so let's maybe switch gears a little bit to there, there's a whole element of marketing that's just focused on customers, right? And, yes. and what, so what, what should that look like in a healthy organization? So the hardest part about um, customer marketing, and this actually came up yesterday in our, in our conversation, is people want to turn customer marketing into uh, a tactic. They want to turn it into a, a customer reference. And one of the things that we, you and I've talked about recently is sales puts a lot of pressure on marketing. It says, marketing, I need I need customer marketing and I need it because it is what we said before. Customers believe other customers. And so there's all this pressure and it turns into a person trying to track down a case study or a referral or a GT review. Yeah. And so then, then marketing goes to customer experience and customer success and says, or success and says, I need a, I need a customer story. What's lost in all of that is, and then customer success is like, well, I don't want you to talk to my customer right now because of X, Y, and Z reason, right? right? right. And so it just turns into like, it turns into five-year-old soccer. Like everybody, <laughs> everybody is around the ball and the ball is not moving down the field. It's terrible. And so, but if you pull way back from that, I'm a big believer in what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What does your brand want to be? What are the reasons to believe that? This goes back to product marketing. What are the reasons to believe yeah. that? So if you are, you know, the best at community, do you have the most integrations that make sure your customer data gets distributed to all the places it needs to go? And then do you have customers who have that experience and will they tell the story? And then can you actually do that at scale? And so the biggest problem with most customer marketing is it doesn't actually reinforce the position and the reasons to believe that you are trying to put into the market. And so that to me is where marketing and customer experience and product actually can work more hand in hand together to actually set, set sales and marketing and customer experience up for sale success. That's the challenge, right? Yeah. Does, do, do you have advocacy that reinforces the core reasons people should believe in your brand in the first place? Yeah. So it all comes back to why you exist in the first Why place, the, the, the broader, the broader vision of, of what the brand is. Um, yeah, I, I guess that resonates a lot with me because, you know, the first thing I think about usually when I think about customer marketing is like, okay, can we just get a newsletter out once a month to the customers of a certain product? And, you know, are we 
doing a good job of running product yeah. webinars when there are releases and that kind of thing. So to your point, it jumps, so I sort of jumped straight to tactics. I think, you know, product marketing, you know, we, one of the things we've done recently, because I consider a foundation is going back to building out these, you know, messaging rooftops and then the hierarchy mm-hmm. of messaging inside of those, this goes back to product marketing and then constructively sharing those across the organization to say, Hey, does this resonate? Hey, does this resonate, James, Chief Product Officer? Does this resonate with you, Jay? Because again, it's not it's not just what marketing says, it's about our partnership with you all, about are these things, are these values, are these things that we deliver consistently? Do we have reasons to believe? So that when we go downstream to whether it's a customer newsletter or a webinar or case study, that those things get pulled all the way through. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's always the pressure to sort of make sure you do something in the now, um, for sure. But at the same yeah. point in time, the coordination on this is our, this is the through line that we want to pull through everything we do is super important. Yeah. And that's sort of where the crawl, walk, run that you and I talk about all the time yes. comes from yes. too, right? So start simple with what we have today, have that's the right. through line, have the through line of the, the sort of the theming of what we're talking about doing and then make it more robust over time. Exactly. So um, can we talk about advocacy for, yes. for a minute? Because we're actually doing some cool work on this right now. Um, and we're, we're defining our metrics around this, which is, which is cool. You, you've actually taken the lead in, in, in developing how we're thinking about this. So can you share a little bit about what we're, what we're planning to do there from a measurement perspective? Well, this is, this is a, this is teamwork though, because you guys, you know, yeah. this is you and me and you, me and James together working on this. So we, um, we, this is back to a level one metric. You, you can always say, Hey, we're customer success, you know, oriented or customer driven, but really it comes down to what we said before. How many people are willing to say that with you? How many people are willing to say, Jay is the, the best chief customer officer out there. You know, Erica mm-hmm. is a phenomenal CMO. And so we have been building out go-to-market metrics here at Higher Logic, and we have level one metrics. And one of those are customer advocates by our um, by our various product lines and tracking that as a fresh metric. So are we adding them? Is it net growth in terms of the number of advocates and measuring over a period of time? And then the second piece of it is the number of activities that an advocate will actually do with us. So is it a G2 review? Is it a customer call? Is it a case study? Is it speaking at an event? Is it speaking on a webinar? So advocates by the various markets and products that we serve and then the activities that they do with us. And it's about net growth of those. It's the way we're approaching it. I'm sure there's lots yeah. of other ways to do it, but that's how we decided to do it as a team. Yeah. And we're actually preparing for a, a webinar right now with Latney from Sixth Sense and Rachel and from Rachel Smart Recruiters. Yeah, and exactly. we were talking about how they do this yesterday as we were preparing for that. So just a little plug, that's on August 25th if people want to listen in to, yeah, to and- that. That webinar exactly It'll get, be a good get their perspective exactly yeah but they i mean their perspectives were aligned but slightly they had some tweaks on what you and i just talked about that's right and I, sus- I suspect we'll do this measurement for a series of months let's say six months through the end of 2022 and then we'll have made organization there'll be organizational alignment it'll be less five-year-old soccer we'll have that's some right. organizational alignment and there'll be a next set of metrics that go into your crawl walk run and that next set of metrics will probably look like something that's a little bit more advanced, a little bit more sophisticated, but it's a great start for us here at Higher Logic. Yeah. I, just to comment on your five-year-old soccer comment, which I agree with, 
I think sometimes that that's the optimistic view of what's happening, but I think the pessimistic <laughs> view of what's happening is, is stuff rolls downhill. Right. And so one team's pointing at another and saying, okay, I got a dependency here. I got a dependency here. I just, I can't, we, we can't get this done because somebody downstream for me is not doing what I need them to do. And then it becomes a finger pointing game as opposed yeah, to yeah, some, that's right. anything that we're collaborating on. Yeah. And then it turns into some, uh, a person feeling like not great about their job or great about their contribution and everything. Yeah. I'm a big believer that everybody wants to feel like the thing that I am doing makes a difference. And I can see the connection to the, how the business performs. And so you're right that I do have the, um, <laughs> the optimistic. That's good. That. That, that's, that's yeah. why it's why you're in the, in the job you're into your glass is always half full, which I love. Always, always half full, yeah. always half full. But you know, I think the, the, the important piece downstream from having that common goal, right? Because that certainly unites sales customer experience teams like customer success and marketing, right? Having that level one metric that you just talked about will unite the team. But then I think it's our responsibility as leaders to really, and this gets into what you talked earlier, the tactical execution, who physically is doing what, right? Who's designing the process, whose responsibility is each step of the process. Because the other thing is, and we're, we're pretty similar to a lot of organizations, highly matrixed these days, right? Highly, highly matrixed. So people really need to know what they're, actual responsibility is down to pretty, pretty granular level of detail. You know, it's interesting when I, when I was at Vitru, this is prior to <clears throat> selling to Oracle, our customer were marketers. And so there was, there's actually this very, our, my marketing team from Vitru still talks about this very funny story where we really wanted to feature a particular customer in, um, I don't know, it was an event or speaking or some such a thing. And the head of customer experience or customer success at the time was like, but we can't let you talk to a customer. <laughs> That's what they actually said to the marketing team. <laughs> and I said, but you know what? We should design a process where the customer feels the most comfortable with the ask. And really ultimately in that case, they were marketers. So marketer to marketer, it was a really great conversation. Oh, yeah. I could get on the, I could get on the phone with, a, you know, certainly maybe B2C and it was enterprise and we were venture backed, et cetera, et cetera. So we were, but marketers, that familiarity, that sense of comfort and understanding each other, that sense of like, you know what I'm, you know what I'm dealing with made us the best person to ask. But in most cases, it's actually their success or their account manager. It's the person that they called and said, um, this thing, I don't know how to do it. And I can't tell my boss and, or, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, or, right. or the, 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 I need this implementation to get done ASAP because we got a big meeting and I, you know, and that success person made them a success. And so as you talked about designing the process, it ultimately comes down to two or three things. One, are we telling a story, um, that's, you know, got truth to it. That's, you know, it's got facts to it. But does it reinforce who you want to be as a brand to your customers? Is it telling that reasons to believe? And the third is who is the best person to ask? Who's the person that makes the customer feel the most comfortable? And where I think marketers fall down is being able to convey first and two, first and the first and second point I made really well to the best person to ask. And then the place where the best person to ask can reach across the aisle is what's the story we're trying to tell? Because then I can tell you if this is the best customer to ask. And that's where I feel right. like some of the diplomacy gets lost in the process because stuff runs downhill. Yeah, that's right. And, and really for every problem, there's a solution, right? So if you think the marketing team is the best 
team to talk to your customers, then like, let's go make that happen. That's a real strategic differentiator or advantage that you had, right? Right. Your marketing team was engaged directly with your customers in that case. That's right. So how do you do it? Do you need to script it? to make it work, like train and enable people. Like I think that's uh, something we miss a lot. There's so many details to what we do as a company. Like we need to actually give people scripts and and training because they don't know. Even the CSMs don't know everything to say to the customer in every circumstance. In every circumstance. And so that enablement piece is is gigantic. And I think marketing doesn't always think about enablement because that's just not the world that they come from. And on the success side, they're thinking, I don't know what I'm asking for. You know, I don't really know what the ask is. I don't know what the context is. And I have 25 other customers I'm trying to, you know, make sure that they're being successful. So that's where you you use the word enablement, Jay, and I think it's a great one. I think a lot of advocacy and a lot of customer marketing related things fall flat because enablement isn't really taken all the way across the line. Yeah, this my brain immediately goes to the working genius framework, which yes. I won't go through that here, but people have heard me talk about it on this podcast, I think before, but go look up Patrick Lencioni, working genius, how work gets done, the widget framework. And yes. the, the point I'm trying to make is enablement is a huge part of getting work done. You can't just design something and, and, and it works you know, exactly without right. teaching people how to do it. So Mag- magic doesn't just happen. Magic doesn't just happen. All right. So this has been a great conversation. What's, what's one sort of piece of advice? I didn't, I didn't prep you for this question either. So but oh what's, what's one piece of advice you would give a customer success leader on how to work better with their marketing team, particularly as it pertains to matters of customer marketing and customer engagement? Well, I would start by saying, I hope you have a great product marketing counterpart someplace in your organization. Yeah, I, <laughs> and- I agree. Okay. And I would hope that when that product marketer comes and talks with you and shares with you, whether it's a messaging framework or a positioning document or a new product rollout saying, this is what we want to do in the market, that you engage in understanding that and thinking about how that translates to how you might want to talk to a customer and how you might want to share it on social or how you might want to seek to understand how that might apply to um, your sort of day-to-day framework. If, if I think if a CSM or an account person or anybody in the CX world can sort of connect with that positioning reasons to believe and think about how to adapt it to what they're doing, that's a great way to work with marketing. Yeah. Awesome. Even if they're designing a customer journey, right? Even if they're designing, they have yeah. that in the back of their mind as they're doing it. And then yes. give that back to the, marketing team to help frame it out for the customer from the outside. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Well, this is a great discussion. We'll have to do this again because this is a lot of fun. You're really good on podcasts. I can tell we got to get you on more. Well, Jay, when you have such a great host, such as yourself, it's easy. Now you're buttering me up for something. (laughs) I just don't know what it is yet. So I'm going to be on the lookout. We have a stand-up meeting at 950. I'm sure I'll have an ask by then. (laughs) All right, cool. Good to see you. I'm going to stop. Good to see you. Hey everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. 
Um, we grow this by word of mouth. So we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast, leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. 